And it is important for us to be thankful. Amen. And um, we'll have a little conversation about that a little bit later on in today's message. But what I wanted to point out to you now is that we're going to get into lesson 16 and circle back and have a conversation about how God ministers to us even through his silence. And for those who have not been with us for our class, the conversation discussion was started with a question about God responding to our prayers. And sometimes we don't hear anything back from him when we pray to him. And what we have found, and this is somewhat scientific from the standpoint of psychology purposes, but what we need to understand, too, is that when we don't hear from God in prayer, we sometimes equate that response to how we respond from a human perspective when someone doesn't talk to us. I think I mentioned last week, uh, there's a colleague at work, he's a guy who's a peer supervisor, who will occasionally, and I don't think he even realizes he does it sometimes, but he, he will, you know, I'll look at him and say hello to him, and he doesn't respond, he just keeps walking. Now part of that, I think, is because he has, I think he's not necessarily a comfortable with relationships, so he has to work his way up to it to get to know somebody before he actually will speak because he has spoken to me before in, in conversation in the lunchroom so it's not like he doesn't talk but what happens is on those moments when he doesn't respond even after you're saying something to him you like wonder what's going on is there something going on where why am i being either rejected or rebuffed or what is happening with that type of a situation and what we find is, is when we pray to God and we don't get a response, we sometimes equate our human emotions to that situation too. You know, what is going on? Why is God not responding to me? And we had a pretty good discussion last week. And if you missed it, well, you missed it. <laughs> but that's okay. We'll, we'll just kind of summarize it a little bit. We, we equate everything from his lack of response to us to, well, God is rejecting me. God is uh, pushing me aside. God is not, um, you know, maybe there's something happening with my personality where he's not hearing me. We try to equate all these human responses to God's not responding to our prayer. Let's take a brief survey. How many of you have prayed to God and haven't heard back from him? Well, you know, if we're honest, that's everybody in this room. Because let's face it, everything that you pray for does not necessarily get a response and maybe sometimes doesn't warrant a response depending upon what you're praying for. We use the proverbial prayer, Lord, give me a million dollars. Well, you can sit there all day long and pray for that and I'm going to challenge you that God does not necessarily respond to a prayer but just by dumping money in your lap. Well, that's an extreme example. But we've had many other situations, though, where we prayed to God for very sincere things, matters of the heart, issues of the heart, and yet we don't get a response. And we sometimes equate those lack of responses to God either not being present, not paying attention, more important things are going on than what I'm praying for, all kinds of human emotional responses 
That's what we need to look at here and now say, okay, is that realistic when it's, we're talking about our personal relationship with the Lord through Jesus Christ? Is that realistic? Is that a realistic response? We have to go back to what the Word says. And the Word does tell us some things that are very important for us to see. Um, well, let's ask this question. Have you felt hurt or punished by God's silence? My wife nodded her head. You have not. Okay. Everybody's going to have a different response to this. If you haven't, that's fine. If you have, please describe it. Yes. What did I do? Right. The result of this thing that you might feel like you're not hearing. Right. I'm not hearing, but it comes from a place of examining yourself. Right. Exactly. Let's take a look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Now, sometimes we need to be reminded of God's goodness. Amen? This is why it's very important for us when we're being reminded of God's goodness, our church philosophy is that you need to be in the word every day. Amen? You need to be in the Word every day. If you're not in the Word every day, you're going to be dealing with these emotional responses, but you're not going to be able to draw upon God's Word if you are not familiar with God's Word. And I don't mean just a casual reading of God's Word. I mean a daily exposure to God's Word. And we typically recommend and and offer that you can do this in 7 to 10 minutes a day with the two-year Bible plan. A two-year Bible plan will get you in the Word for seven to ten minutes a day, and you can use the remaining five minutes or so and meditate. Now, you might not think that's a long time. Well, sometimes that's a significant amount of time. Have you ever sat somewhere for five minutes and done nothing? Get a clock. Most of you have your, your iPhones. You can set a timer, and you sit somewhere for five minutes in silence, And listen for God to speak to you. And I guarantee you, that's a lot more time than you probably realize. Do you know why? Because we are wired to do what? Keep moving. We are always moving. We're always thinking. Our brains are always firing. There's something always going on. And we're always responding or reacting to stimuli around us or even thoughts that we have. Five minutes is a long time. And so what we said in this whole idea of reading 7 to 10 minutes a day on the two-year plan and then taking the additional 5 minutes or so, 12 to 15 minutes of time, and meditating on his word, you will realize that you've covered a lot of ground with God in that very short period of time. I've always felt personally, and I'm only going to inject this a personal standpoint, most of us have tried to dive into a one-year reading plan. And a one-year reading plan, in my opinion, and that's all it is, and I'm talking about a person with a busy lifestyle, it sets you up for failure. A one-year plan sets you up for failure because that requires usually a half hour to 45 minutes of time for you to cover a reading each day, every day, for the entire year. That's a lot of reading, and that's a lot of time. 
So you have to look at it from a standpoint. Now, if you want to do that, and if you set aside that time to do that, God bless you. That's great. But realistically, we don't want to set ourselves up for failure because what happens when we fail on something, we usually just quit. We don't come back to it. We won't go back to it. Now, in that 12 to 15 minutes of time we talked about with the two-year plan, you have to schedule that time. Why do I say that? If you don't what? That's right. If you don't schedule it, your day will be too busy. Your day will get too busy. Now, I'm not going to put this young couple in the back on full blast, but they have a couple of young children, these two individuals back here. I know they're very busy because they've got to take care of what? The kids. The kids require time. But their challenge is to be do what? Find time. Find time to sit and study and read God's Word. Fifteen minutes of time, and it may require, hey, I know how it was when I had young kids. Sometimes when you got busy doing reading in the Word, the kids were down for a nap. You've got to do what you have to do. That's, but you still have to schedule it. You've got to schedule it. So it's either going to be an early morning routine or it's going to be a nighttime routine when everything else during the day just doesn't make any sense. You have to prioritize this. I'm sorry, Pearl. And you may have to adjust it. Yes. Okay, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Right. And everyone is different. Don't do what somebody else does just because they say it. Do it because it works for you. Do it because it works for you. That's what we need to remember. Okay. So now that we've established that, let's say that you are praying to God. I'm sorry. I'm having a little trouble here with my mic because it's... I need to take my glasses off because I'm wrapping it around my ear and it's not staying up there the way it's supposed to. All these newfangled wires. Okay. Well, we'll work with it. So let's go back and look at this now again. Let's look at Philippians 3.20. Why do we need to be assured that God is not alienating us in his silence? What does it say in his word? That's why we have to go back to the word. The word is what reminds us what God is telling us. So it says here in Philippians 3.20, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we have await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we need to always come back to when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. He has not left us nor forsaken us, even though we don't hear anything from him in a specific prayer. And we have to come back and respond to the fact that Well, there's all kinds of reasons why God doesn't respond to our prayer. And sometimes one of the most basic things we need to remember 
is that he challenges us to stay with him. Don't stop praying anyway. You keep on praying even though you're not hearing something. Sometimes his lack of response is to challenge us to get deeper in our faith, in our trust, and in our relationship with him. That's what we need to always remember. He's telling us, he's promising us that he is with us. We have a relationship with him, and it is not just about this relationship here, but going back to Philippians 3.20, we have citizenship in heaven. He's drawing you back to an eternal relationship. It's an eternal relationship. It's not just a one-timey, sometimey thing here. We have to take the human emotion out of our relationship with Jesus Christ and devote that emotion to more of a loving relationship, a patient relationship, as he has with us. Amen? And an eternal relationship. What's the most important thing that we should be doing for our children? Praying for them that they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There is nothing more important than that. There's nothing more important. We have wanted to raise our children from the time they were babes up to when they're adults making decisions about the Lord and living for the Lord. That's the most important thing you can pray for. There is nothing more important because you're talking about what? An eternity, an eternal citizenship. That's what we're waiting. And we're waiting for that. We're waiting for God to give us that when we finally leave here. But we have it already as a promise. Amen? Okay. So silence can make you feel rejected, but you are not rejected. You are accepted. You are beloved. And God will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, let's skip down here. I'm on the handout on page three, and we, we kind of were covering a lot of ground here, too. But let's go down to the bottom. We're down to the bottom of page three, if you have a handout. And, and understand, I, for those who have not been with us, we, we kind of covered this lesson a little bit for, up through here, but you kind of got a summarization through this first section here of what we were talking about. And one thing that we need to understand, too, is that sometimes it's okay to have a response when we're praying to God and we don't hear something, but we need to make sure we're channeling our emotion. You know, sometimes, and some of the discussion has been that we get angry with God because he hasn't responded. Amen? Amen. Now, let's be honest. Sometimes we get angry with God. And I don't expect everybody to say amen to that. Because they may feel that it's not appropriate to get angry with God. But I'm here to challenge you and tell you that God does not say that you can't get angry. And God doesn't even say that you can't get angry with him. If you can find it in his word, show me. You were created 
by a God who gave you emotions. The emotions have a value for you. You are not robots. You're not robots. You have emotions. Why are the emotions important? Let's start with that. Why are emotions important? Emotions, well, you tell me. Why are emotions important? Say it again, please. It's an expression. It's a way for you to express yourself. It's a way for you to express yourself. It's a driving force in many ways for you to be compelled to do what? Do good. You see someone in need, you have an emotional response to that, and you do something for them. Emotions can be very good. Emotions, things that get you rankled up. You know, if something is happening in your family and you want to protect your spouse, you're going to have an emotional response. And that's a good thing. You need to be aware of what's going on around you. Now, let's turn it back over to what we just said about getting angry with God. God says, be angry. He says it in his word. This is why I want to challenge everybody here to remember what God says in his word. He says, be angry, but do not sin. Well, if he's saying be angry, that means you have carte blanche. If the mood or the time calls for it, for you to get righteous anger, which is what Jesus did, by the way. Do you think Jesus was just acting like a robot when he was clearing out the temple of all the money changers? See, here's the thing we need to always keep in mind. Don't be afraid to say or don't be afraid to admit that it's not okay or say it's about getting angry with God. There's nothing in the word that says that. He is telling you and he's showing you even in his life on earth that he occasionally he did get angry. Now, he wasn't cussing. He wasn't, remember, he did all these things, but he did not sin. He's showing you how to live a life. He shows you in his word how to live a life and not sin. And yet he got angry. You guys are coming into my house and turning into a den of thieves because these money changers, they were crooks. They were crooked. They weren't acting right. They weren't doing what they were supposed to do. Righteous anger. Now, we can get angry with God, too, because we don't like not hearing from him. Amen? We don't like it. If you admit you don't like it, well, then what's the big deal? You don't like it. Who likes it? Who likes not hearing from God? No one. Especially if you're praying for something that's very dire, like someone's life, someone's health. You know, someone's in prison, someone may be going to the gas chamber. There's all kinds of things that affect you emotionally, and sometimes you don't get a response to that prayer. Cancer, illness, 
Go back again to what it says. It's about, in Philippians 3.20, eternal. You may not get an answer to your prayer because the bigger picture is the eternal perspective. Now, we don't always think about that. We admittedly don't think about that because we're in the here and now. We're not talking about eternity when we're praying for something. But he's reminding you that he is thinking about that. That is his will. That is his purpose. His will is for people to get saved. And sometimes God, in his own sovereignty and in his own mystery, will take a tragedy of someone getting killed for the Lord and bringing other people into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Stuff that we'll never understand, but when we recognize it and see it in the totality of what his, how he operates, then we get, we get it. We don't like it, but we get it. God wants you to think about life from an eternal perspective. That's his will for you, is for you to think not just in the temporal, but in the eternal If we're all created as eternal beings, amen? We're all created as eternal beings, amen? Amen? We're all created as eternal beings, amen? You don't believe the lies of Stephen Hawking saying that you're no longer going to exist after death. You're eternal beings. So if you're created as an eternal being... You need to think like an eternal being. You have a temporary place here, but you have a place to go afterward. He wants you to think on those terms. He wants you to consider those things. Now, down at the bottom of page three, I know that it is tough to deal with this pain. It's like the two paragraphs right before the end of the page three. Because we do have pain that we deal with in our lives when we don't hear back from God. Amen? There is some form of pain in that. It's painful. We don't like it. It hurts. But we don't have a superficial relationship with God. We're talking about, Lord, I thought we was cool. That's not thinking eternally. God has already said, you're already cool. I created you. I made you. I know who you are. I know your name. I know you better than you know yourself. And that's the truth. But we also have to remember that God is kind. He is very kind to us. How is God kind to us? How is he kind to us? Tell me. He gives us grace and mercy. And those were the words I was looking for. He has grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. That's how he operates. That is his method of operation. You guys have heard that when you go to work somewhere and you hear a method of operation. Well, God's method of operation is grace and mercy. Remember where you came from and remember where you are today. Everything that you are today has everything to do with his grace and mercy. Because you know, as well as I do, that none of these days we have are promised to us. 
in this realm. Grace and mercy. God is kind. I put a note there. Always remember that God is love. Always remember that God is love. Never, ever forget that God is love. Always remember that. When we read his word, Jeremiah 29, 11, he knows the plans he has for you. Remember, that was written in the context of a nation in exile. Plans for you to prosper, not to harm you. Plans for a hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11, in its proper context, should be a memory verse for everyone here. He has plans for you. And remember, those plans for you include eternal plans. Not just what you got today. Yes. I need you to speak up a little bit here. I was talking about class, you know, the crucifixion lesson. Okay. And we talked about how the kindness of God, how it was only through what happened during mm-hmm. the crucifixion. Right. Meditating. Right. It was interesting because we talked about how here he humbled himself to his very creation. Amen. That's right. That's that's right. He chose it not because of his perspective. He humbled himself to his very own creation. Amen. To be kind to those in order that they might have eternal life with him and he could open the gate, that door, to have a relationship. And we were talking about how awesome that is for the creation and the king of this earth to humble himself before the things he can create. Greater love hath no man. Then what? Lay down his life for his friends. Friends is a key word here. You are more than just a person. You're a friend. He is giving you guidance and insight into his relationship with you and the relationship he wants to have with you. We all have room for growth in this area. God is perfect. He's saying he is love. That is his very essence. We have work to do in this area when it comes to love. And I mean loving God as far as obeying his word. But he's patient. He has grace. He has mercy. Always remember that God is love. Never forget that. So when you don't hear from him at that moment in prayer, he has a reason but you don't have to know what that reason is. You know how this is how we reason with stuff. This is how we rationalize things. We don't hear anything from him. What's the reason for it? That's because that's how we're wired. But we have to understand his eternal purpose is that either it's not time, and we'll reason that. There's no answer right now. There may be one later. Look, the idea that you have to pray for somebody for 40 and 50 years to get saved should tell you something. There's a timing thing here. It's a timing thing. 
And God is still working in this whole universe with a whole bunch of us where we're not ready to accept Jesus Christ until the Spirit just keeps moving and working and doing that. You know, we had to pray for my my wife's dad. He didn't come to know the Lord until literally days before he died at 96. Now, what does that tell you? It sometimes takes a lifetime of prayers. But there's nothing more important, I don't care how much money you got, or where you come from, or what family you're in, there's nothing more important than salvation. Salvation. So you just keep praying. And you keep putting it in your heart to pray. God already knows about it, but he wants you and challenges you in your relationship with him to be prayerful for those around you, your sphere of influence, the people you come in contact with. You pray for your coworkers, you pray for your family members, you pray for your friends. You know who they are. While he may hold back his hand, he will never withhold you from his heart. Amen? He won't withhold from you. You don't understand why the prayer is not being answered. Well, sometimes we just don't understand. Some things we just won't understand. You just have to kind of say, okay. Lord, you are sufficient in my life. And there have been prayers that haven't been answered. And I don't get it. And I don't understand it. But I understand that sometimes later on, when I look back on the situation and say, Lord, you rescued me. Lord, you kept me. Lord, you protected me. Lord, you saved me from something I didn't even see coming. Amen? You've got to put it in perspective that sometimes the non-answer to your prayer, wanting something to be fixed, something to be rationalized, something to be understood, you may not get an answer for that, but you look back on it later on and see what happens. It's like, oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And I'll bet everyone in this room has an example like that to point to. Which shows you how much God truly does love you. It's good that we don't get answers like, not now. Remember, that's a human response. We put human responses on God's not answering our prayer. We say, okay, not now. Well, that's a rationalization on our part. God is not saying not now necessarily. He may, but sometimes we rationalize through this prayer thing, which is not unhealthy. It helps us to understand a little bit, but we also need to go deeper than just saying not now. There's a whole lot into that. When God is silent, we can feel like he's distant. Now, this is true. We feel like he's distant because he's not hearing you, especially when we're praying for something that's very intimate, very detailed, and we're not getting a response. We can feel lonely. Now, we know what it's like to feel lonely. Amen? 
Sometimes in the darkest moments of your life, you feel like you're in a corner somewhere in the biggest room that you can find. And there's no one else around. And understand that when people get depressed, they can have a room full of people around them. But they still feel like they're alone. Amen? That's what depression can do. Depression can make you feel like you are all by yourself in a crowd of people. And there's literally a cloud that sometimes hangs right over, right in this area here. Almost like you've got a mask on. Those commercials that, there was a product that was, you know, you could take an antidepressant and somebody was holding up a mask with a smiley face on it. That's exactly what it's like. They actually hit that right on the head. That's exactly what it's like for a person who's depressed. They're holding up a mask because you see something here, but on the inside, you don't feel that way. They actually hit that right on the head. You know, some of those drug commercials are like not worth the time of day to watch because they don't really tell you anything. Some goofy stuff, you know. But that one hit it on the head. Now, I'm not, I'm not advocating going out and buying drugs or antidepressants. But, on a serious note, Psalms writes about people who get depressed. Why do you think that is? Because we do. He knows how you're feeling. He knows what you're going through when you don't hear from him, when you're detecting he's distant He's lo- you're lonely, you can get depressed. He writes about that. He wants you to read that. This is why you've got to be in the Word every day. Psalms and Proverbs are part of that reading every day. He's giving you this information to tell you He knows all about who you are, where you're coming from, what's happening in your life, What can happen in your life, he's ready to address it with you. But if you're not in his word, you won't know that. Amen? You won't know. We can feel God is inactive or showing unnecessary restraint that hurts us. Since every feeling isn't a fact, however, perhaps God's silence could be an act of love. Have you ever considered that? Sometimes this silence is an act of love. It's an act of compassion. We always tend to look at the negative things when we don't hear from God. But yet, it may be an act of love. Just like I described to you earlier. I look back on a situation now. I didn't get an answer to prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, boy. An act of love. Remember when he says he has plans for you, for a hope and a future? He already knows what your future is. He already knows what you're looking towards. He already knows what you are, what your path is. Understand that. And it's interesting, I was reading the scripture the other day too about, I think it was yesterday. Because I'm reading in First Kings about Solomon... And Solomon didn't obey the Lord at the end of the day the way his father David did. Now, wait a minute. 
That's what the word says. David's heart must have been different. But we know what David did. We knew David slept with somebody. We knew David had kids. Children. One of them being Solomon. But here he was because Solomon was chased after all these women from foreign lands. And it wasn't so much that he was chasing after the women. You know what it was? He started building other gods to honor the request of these other women as he got old. That's what ticked God off. So what we need to do is make sure that we are relaxing in his silence. When we read Romans 8.28, go to Romans 8.28. That's like the second verse we've covered today. Although we've been talking about other verses in between. Now Romans 8.28. i got to challenge some people about Romans 8.28. First of all, Romans 8.28 is not supposed to be used as an all-feeling verse when you communicate with somebody. Especially when somebody passes away. When there's a death in the family, don't be saying Romans 8.28 to them. That's insensitive. We have to look at the context of these verses as we read them. It doesn't change the fact that God knows and knew about that person dying and their passing, but how when you relate to other people, you just don't fire off Bible verses. Amen? Let's just start with that. You're not firing off Bible verses. Sometimes when you're, someone is grieving, what do you do? Shut your mouth! <laughs> yeah. And she's right to laugh at that. That's great. I couldn't have planned that better. Sometimes you need to shut your mouth. In this case, silence is appropriate. Sometimes the best thing you can do is not say anything, except I'm so sorry. I'm sorry you're going through this. We're all going to have to grieve at some point. Amen? Someone close to us is going to die. You're going to have to have a point of grief to get through that period of time. So you shut your mouth. Don't say anything. Now, it doesn't change the meaning of this verse. The verse is still applicable. It still is something that's appropriate. But you read this on your own. And you understand what's going on in your life. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, what is good? Once again, we get to get back to this, not thinking about it being good as in sunshine, lollipops and rainbows, everything is wonderful. Not that kind of good. It's nice to have those things, but ultimately, sometimes we have to look at good being a day that's not as painful as other days, for example, when you're going through chemotherapy. Good does not necessarily mean good as in the great things that happen, but sometimes good means just a nice, steady day. For those who go through depression, for example, you have up and down days. Sometimes a good day is a day like this. 
And we need to take it even one step further. I know that's the second bell, but I want to finish my point. The second thing to look at here is that this good is about an eternal purpose. Eternal purpose. It's not just a purpose temporal. The good that he wants, called according to our purpose, is to look at the bigger picture. Because there's a lot of us out here who have been living on earth that had a lousy life. So your good and their good are going to be two different things. Why is emotion important? For you to see the difference. To be able to reach out to those who are less fortunate. To be able to help people. That's what Thanksgiving is all about. And that's a lifestyle for all of us. So we're going to stop here. I'm going to save my voice. Too much yelling already. (laughs) She says, yep, that's right. But we need to understand that this silence that we don't, you know, when we don't hear from God can be very good. But we need to have the proper perspective and be in his word to see that goodness. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time you've given us to hear what you have to say to us. Lord, in our prayers, we know of your goodness, we know of your kindness, we know of your grace and mercy. We know that you have an eternal purpose for us. But even while we're here, Lord, help us to be able to understand that sometimes when you don't answer prayer, it is a good thing. Always help us to remember that. Help us through those moments when we are lonely, when we are alone, when we're feeling as though you are not hearing us. Lord, give us the mindset rather than just complaining about it. Help us to be prayerful to understand what is happening in your silence. Help us to reach out to you even more to experience your goodness and your presence. We just thank you, Lord, for all those things. We pray that the words conveyed today will be not my words, but your words. And we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. See you next time.